Hi, I'm Bob Harrington from Duke University. I'm here at the American College of Cardiology meetings in New Orleans, and we thought we'd take a moment to reflect upon some of the trial results we've had from uh, some of the technology-oriented uh, trials to address, I think, a really pertinent question about how some of this technology will diffuse into clinical practice, and that is this notion of the heart team. So I'm joined here by two colleagues, Laura Mowry from Boston, interventional cardiologist, uh, Neil Mart from, uh, from the Royal Brompton, a cardiac surgeon. And I think having the two of you is going to be critical because what we want to do is talk about this notion of aortic valve replacement, either percutaneously or surgical, mitral valve repair, percutaneously or surgically, left main surgery versus percutaneous intervention. You get the picture. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and one of the key elements that I found fascinating in all of the trials that were done is this notion of the heart team, that you have to have a group of people who come together from different disciplines, evaluate that patient, evaluate the situation, help decide if this patient is appropriate for these technologies, and then provide all of the support for that group of patients along the way, echo. CTA, interventional, surgery. So let's start with you, Neil, because you've been very involved with the uh, transaortic valve studies and the, actually, the, the procedure itself. Talk a little bit about this notion of the heart team. What's the philosophy behind it? Um, I, I think it's something which goes back quite a way in time to with surgery and the infancy of, of uh, PCI. Um, and when PCI was starting, all the patients would be discussed with surgeons and the, the early interventional cardiologists. Um, and I think perhaps the volume of that work created a, a change. I think what we see now in the patient populations for transcatheter valve therapies and maybe complex coronary interventions, is these patients are, are much older and much, much sicker than many of our patients. And they have very many problems. And what we're seeing is that there are now a number of options for these patients. Medical therapy, which is quite complicated. Medical, some, some, sometimes involving some device therapy. Uh, surgery, and the, the, the raft of new transcatheter techniques that are coming along. And to, to evaluate the patients requires a, a, a set of skills that no one group has. So the surgeons don't have all the skills, the cardiologists, and I think in a lot of these patients, the imaging assessment, the preoperative imaging and planning is key. So you need expert echo people, expert CT, CMR in, in certain instances. Um, in our institution, we also involve care of the elderly physicians in some of these decision-making in these octogenarian patients. And I think that it's, it's reinvigorated in some ways, I think, the, the hospital in getting all these teams, getting these people together and discussing these complex patients. But I've, I've got no doubt in my own mind that it really does benefit patient care. And in order to have success with the transcatheter techniques, I believe it's absolutely essential to have that team approach. And unfortunately, that really means you're committed to being in a big center where all of those, all, all of, is there. Laura, you know, when I trained as an interventional cardiologist, very much what Neil is saying, that um, we had cath conference where we talked about the cases. In part, we had to because the cath lab was, we had to have an operating room on hold while we did the procedures. Mm -hmm. 
But that evolved. Stenting, more potent antithrombotic therapy. Interventionalists by the mid-90s, late-90s, didn't think like that anymore. We just went ahead. And one of the criticisms that we as a community have had put upon us as interventionalists, well, you're the guys making the decision and you're not calling the rest of us because you can do it yourselves. H how do you want to react to that in this new environment of much more complex patients, much more complex technology? Yeah, I think, you know, I think we have, I don't think we've ever evolved completely away in those really complicated patients, even in coronary disease, of um, at least in our center, really uh, working together with the surgeons. I mean, there are many cases where uh, even before syntax, we knew that there would be trade-offs between a surgical approach versus a percutaneous approach, and um, really trying to present a balanced viewpoint um, to the patient, but also to the referring cardiologist. Um, I think that to take a step back, aside from just the interventionalist and surgeon, there's a very important role um, for the non-invasive cardiologist or the, or the or sort of the, the, the person who's not doing the procedure to be able to consider these things. They may not be the expert in each of the individual techniques, um, but they, they can help the patient to consider the various risks and trade-offs because they're really very dissimilar uh, procedures for the for the example of PCI versus bypass surgery, um, uh, in terms of com comparing some of the trade-offs, you know, we we've all had these conversations where there is more of a chance that the, that the patient will need more procedures in the future, um, and that is to be traded off with the relative you know potential benefits mm -hmm. of having a less invasive approach. Neil, a lot of what Laura's describing certainly what goes on at our place as well, but I would define that or maybe um, say that is it's informal. I have a challenging case. I call my colleague, I say, geez, let's think about this, let's go talk to the patient together. But what you're describing goes really beyond that. Um, when you're talking about complex aortic valve disease, this is truly getting a team of people together with all their pieces of expertise. Yeah. How does that work? Um, you're exactly right. I think, I think it, it's moving beyond the grabbing a colleague and saying, what, what do you think about this surgery versus PCI? Um, it, it works by setting time in the week where the cases are presented and all, uh, you have to have a facility where all of that imaging can be seen and members of the individual team, surgery, cardiology, and I, I agree with Laura's point that it's actually very useful to have cardiologists, non-interventional cardiologists, and perhaps also surgeons who are not involved in transcatheter techniques to give to give a balance in the field but it requires time and, and a commitment to actually sit down and go through the cases um, but I, I, I genuinely believe, genuinely believe it is worth it and I think um, I think some of the results that we see in the trials and the registries with the transcatheter techniques are, are really fantastic given that these are very sick patients and with first generation technologies and I think a lot of that is to do with this true multidisciplinary approach and it's multidisciplinary in a room, going through the patient, talking about the different access routes, the various nuances of how you might get the valve there, what you're going to do with the valve, how does that balance up against what, how complex the surgery might be, um, what about their renal function, how good or how bad is that and the only way to achieve that I, I believe is actually having that team in a room, formally, formally engaged. Formally engaged. Mm -hmm. And then I think when you have that, that team then moves into the lab or the hybrid lab or, and 
not the whole, not everybody, but it, it engenders that total team um, uh, behaviour in the in the interventional suite, be it theatre or lab. And I mean, we have a situation where I think the sur the surgeon and cardiologist are completely interchangeable in our transcatheter valve program, both for transfemoral and other other procedures. And Okay, it's possible to do it a different way, but there's no doubt in my mind that that is the, the ideal. Team approaches the way that to is do the it. ideal way to do it. So, Laura, let me ask you two questions, maybe much more from the uh, from the American perspective or the U.S. perspective. Um, one question is is that you've been one of the leaders of the mitral clip um, program, and clearly, in an investigational setting, people are willing to put egos aside, if you will, to try to do what's best for the patient in the context of a trial. Do you think that can be extended into the practice setting? Particularly, my second question is, given the economic implications in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that um, I, I just want to reinforce, you know, Neil's points, which are, you know, that that the success of the trials is based on this um, formulation of requirements for how surgeons and, and interventional cardiologists and non-invasive cardiologists are going to collaborate. That didn't happen by chance. That's something that was designed um, into the studies um, so that that collaborative approach was part of it. So I think to extend that success, we will have to do that um, in the United States if we're going to adopt these catheter-based technologies. Um, I think that, um, as, as Neil said, this is not something that's going to diffuse widely and quickly. Um, it would, we would be remiss to allow it to do so. I think this is something that should be performed where one can establish these centers. That has to be a requirement. To I, be I, I like how you said that. It almost should be a requirement, yeah. shouldn't it? That if you're going to get into this technology, you really have to commit to doing this. We have minimum standards, you know, in, in, in the United States for door to balloon times, for STEMI, for uh, numbers of cases, for operators. I think it's time to start thinking about what the minimum requirements would be for uh, percutaneous valve treatments. Neil, final question for you. Could I just uh, yes, make go a ahead. comment there? Because I think um, when we when we were setting up um, TAVI particularly, but same with Magic of the UK, we, we set up a, a national committee and the, what happened is the professional societies, the surgical and uh, interventional cardiology societies, sat down and wrote a document about what was required and the funding body sat was involved with that in the Department of Health. And in order to be funded to do transcatheter valve, it was mandatory to have an MD, a formal MDT process. So outside the trial setting, the funding bodies mandated that this was going to be the way or supported that you would not be funded to do this without that process. So that's maybe yeah. I, I, a I think that's too. an excellent point. I think the lesson is we really need the professional organizations to take a leadership role. We need the professional organizations, both surgically and medically, to work with in, in the U.S. That would be our, our government, who provides so much of the, uh, the health care funding, to really come up with some requirements for what centers are going to do. Because otherwise, in the U.S., we run the danger, I think, of it being the wild, wild west out mm -hmm. there. I want to thank both of you. It's been great to have a perspective from Boston and uh, from old England across the pond. And uh, this has been a good meeting, terrific discussion. Thank you, the listener, for joining as well. Thank mm -hmm. you.